is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel's Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 say this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As Christians, we can kind of get insight into his thoughts, but trust me, we are a long ways away from understanding his thoughts. We would be the biggest or most wealthiest or we'd have the most online hits if I understood all the whys of the Lord. If I say, well, here's why the Lord's doing stuff, we would be packed because we have a lot of questions. Does God ever do something in your life or perhaps in the life of somebody around you that you just can't wrap your mind around? Of all the possible ways for a situation to play out, this is what God thought was best? The old saying is true, the Lord does work in mysterious ways. Like Isaiah 55 says, His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It all boils down to trusting in God. Today, join Pastor Troy as he carries on his teaching about discipleship. Now, here's Pastor Troy in John chapter 11 as he continues his message, Intense Discipleship with Jesus. Jesus' foresight directs him. He knows. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's coming, and he knows what his plans are. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, well, he didn't go right away. He stayed back two more days. Wait a minute. That doesn't work together all that well. Doesn't sound right. He waited. No, love to me is, hey, so-and-so, they're hurt. They're, they're, They're sick. Oh, no, let's go. Now that's what I would say looks like love. That's what I think looks like love. Not, really? Well, give me two days. That doesn't seem like love. I remember when we had our first baby, I was following the rules and kept my wife away from the doctor far too long because they gave me, well, only when they're this far apart, then you come consistently. I guess too many people come too soon, so they were trying to be careful. I was the wrong person to be careful with. (laughs) And so they gave me the strict, and I'm like, okay, you were there for four of them, but not the fifth one. She wore herself out. When we got in, they had to put her on something to rest her. She goes, yeah, she's ready to deliver, but we're going to have to rest her so she gets her strength back. I wore her out. (laughs) It was not good. No wonder Joshua came out the way he did. Oh, he's a great son. He's a great son. It was a difficult delivery. But our third child, well, we were almost late for the delivery. We're like, okay, you're going to, okay, you you got another errand to go? Okay, I'm going to finish this thing, and then we'll head it. Yeah, we were both in agreement. No problem, man. We've been there. No big deal. And we got there, delivered. It was like, great. This is awesome, man. I wish this was like the first one, man. The first one was like this. But after a while, you get used to it. You have a little foresight. Well, Jesus has foresight. He's not worried. So-and-so's dying. 
All right, I'm going to be there in a couple of days. <gasps> what? That's, not, that's unloving. No, I, I know everything. Everything Jesus does is loving. Everything he does is motivated by his love, and nothing else motivates him. He's loving. Even his judgment is in love. Now, his judgment is in love because he said, here's the promise I have for you, and here, salvation is yours. It's free. So when judgment comes down, it would be unloving for him to go, I know you guys received me, you followed me, you died sooner than you might have if you hadn't followed me, but I'm, you know, I'm just going to let everybody in. You didn't have to do that. That would not be loving. That'd be very deceptive. He's not like that. You put your trust in him and your life changes and you're his for all eternity. And it's the best place to be. When judgment happens, it's never his fault. It's the fault of the person who would not take the hand, who would not take the free gift for whatever reason. But Jesus has foresight and he sees all of these things and he doesn't rush. And parents know about this. I mean, think about it. As a parent, if you've been a parent, there are certain times where your child's about to do something and you go, okay, no, 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 just wait, just wait. And you let, you let them go through the process and then you're there for them and then you can do the, I told you, see, I told, then you can come in and tell them that. Now, I'm not talking about they're running out in traffic and you go, oh, oh just wait, watch, the car's going to hit them, they'll, they'll, they'll learn. We don't do that. We just know how to do it, right? You've been there. You've got to let certain things happen for lessons. Well, the Lord is the author of life. Is there anything he can't let his kids go through and go, it's, we're going to be fine. I got you. is isn't about this life anyway. It's about what's to come. So I got this. And he does everything because of his love. Have you ever experienced God's delay in your life? I mean, if you're human at all, your timetable is not his. My timetable is now. In fact, Christian, our timetable is usually, Lord, just if it hurts at all, remove me. Ooh, that hurts. Get me out of here. Ooh, that's sad. Get me out of here. Just mountaintop to mountaintop. Constant smiles, you know. But that would never teach us anything. And God knows that. So let me make it clear to you. God's delays, they are always done out of love. Not because he's late. He's never late. He always knows what he's doing, and he has a purpose. What you don't see, what I don't see, is the big picture. He knows the big picture. He knows what he's doing. He knows the soul of a person, and he knows what he's doing with each individual in any given scenario. And he's working on more than just the one. We're praying for that person. Well, God's working on you, too. Why don't you answer my prayers, Lord? We're praying for them. They're They're hurting. He's working on you at the same time. He's working on lots of people, and he knows what he's doing. He knows what people will want to do, what they'll choose to do. He knows all of that. And he's working together an intense discipleship program, tailor-made for each one of us. So the human perspective is worldly. Bless me here. Bless me now. Give me this. Fix them, Lord. Do this. Keep any pain away from us. But the Lord is not looking at what will just benefit us here because some of his people die here, die in the midst of serving him here. Could have lived better, richer lives here, but they sacrifice and serve him and die younger than they might have here. 
because he is more concerned about the eternal and preparing us for there. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 say this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As Christians, we can kind of get insight into his thoughts, but trust me, we are a long ways away from understanding his thoughts. We would be the biggest or most wealthiest or we'd have the most online hits if I understood all the whys of the Lord. If I say, well, here's why the Lord's doing stuff, we would be packed because we have a lot of questions. Why? 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 Why would he do I don't understand why. It doesn't make sense why. He's God. I don't know. But he sees the end from the beginning. And I have to trust that. There was a painter who was at a church. And uh, he was an art, did a picture. And what he would do is he would just take some paint and just slap it up there and with his hands just move things around. And I was watching it for a little bit and I thought, that's a ministry? I could do that. I chose the wrong ministry. This is like, I could do that. My kids could do that. Anybody could do that. Why does he get to do that? And then at the very end of it, he turns the painting right side up. I didn't know it was upside down. But he turns the painting right side up, and then it's like clear. It's the face of Jesus with the halo of thorns. And you go, wow, I did not see that coming. And it wasn't even until he flipped it over, because I'm still looking at the mess, and then it flips it, like, whoa, whoa. Now that I didn't know. I couldn't do that. (laughs) See, the problem is we think we know how to figure things out. We've been taught logic. So we think we can figure things out, and the Lord shows us, oh, that was upside down? Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I know that was part of what you could do. Yeah, I can do miracles. There are things you don't think about that I got. You got to learn to trust me and trust my way. See this painter guy? He knew where he was going the whole time. I just sat back and thought, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Well, I mean, good business, and somehow he got the gig, but other than that. (laughs) And then I realized, wow, he knew all along where he was going. It's like the Lord. God has a plan. And a big part of his plan is not necessarily the results you may be looking for. His plan is a discipleship plan. It's a program to build your faith, those of you who are his. To build your faith. So his delays are not always his denials. Sometimes they're his discipleship program. Some things happen in life and you go, well, what, what good could possibly come from that one? I don't get it. I, don't, I can't even fathom what good could come out of that. Well, one, his delays in certain things can cause us to finally choose to do His will instead of denying or defying Him. I've had that experience. You know, God kind of draws you in and it just keeps getting worse or heavier and you're like, finally you get to that point like, okay, Lord, what? What do you want? And He just basically says the same thing I've been telling you for like two years. You just kept taking more on yourself. You kept resisting. You kept denying. And now you finally own it. You go, okay, I see. Your way is better. I'll do it. 
And for some of us, as stubborn and stiff-necked and as much as we think we've got figured out, it can take a long time and great pain before we get it. So it can be for us. It can develop us and push us in the right direction. It also helps build our faith. You know, your faith would never grow if you got everything that you wanted. Every time you said, I want this. I want it that way. I want this spouse. Oh, now I want that spouse. Now I want that spouse. You know, it'd be a mess. The whole world would be a mess. Because we're like, you know, the two-year-old who keeps demanding candy. And I want that. And I want this. And I want that. And you know it's not good for them. The Lord knows the same things for us. And he does not, listen, the Lord does not spoil his children. Oh, we're rich. But we're responsible. We learn responsibility. And he pours out on us. The gift is free. But he says to whom we'll be faithful with little, we'll be faithful with more. We learn and we grow into responsibility and this walk that God has for us. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message. So be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible for a while. You can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to the Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way you'll never miss a teaching and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. Abraham, called the father of faith, right? Well, guess what? He had to wait. God gave him a promise, and he was already old. God gave him a promise. You think, all right, I'm old. This should happen like tonight. It didn't. God made him wait longer, really old, 100. And so this father of faith had his faith tested and built by the Lord. So here's what we need to do, guys. We need to learn to interpret our circumstances, whatever they may be. You may find yourself in a trial, difficult circumstances, or I don't know why, Lord, kind of situations. But learn to interpret your circumstances through the lens of God's love. You've got to learn to do this. This is what we do by faith. God loves you. And because of that love that he does the things or allows the things or is with you through things, God loves. And he loves you. He loves them. He loves others. We've got to look through that lens and interpret things rather than filtering his love through circumstances. That's the opposite. The opposite is, here's my circumstance, and so God must not love me. Or here's the circumstances, and so God must not care. Or maybe my faith just failed, and so we could be the failure because, well, look at my circumstances, and so I'm gauging him based upon this. Don't ever do that. God is in control. God is sovereign. God loves, and he is in control. Don't blame anything or anyone else on anything catastrophic. God knows what he's doing. I don't have all the answers again, or, or I'd be a wealthy man. Although I am pretty wealthy. In Christ, I think that what I have now in Christ is better than any money you could ever give. But as Christians, 
We have those questions. We desire to know, but he doesn't always let us know. But here's what we got to do. We've got to learn to go, God, I know you love me. I know you love them. And I'm going to interpret this in light of that love. You must have good for this, for some reason. Job was able to do that. Now, no one around Job was apparently able to do that, including his wife. There's nothing like having a hard day coming to your wife. Well, just curse God and die. That's all I got. Thank you, honey. But Job said, even though he slay me, I'll trust him. I don't know why. And God, though you don't replace children, you can't replace children, you can't replace certain things, God blessed Job abundantly. And see, God's not as much worried about what we experience here, what we have here, what we get to follow through with here, as much as what's in heaven. That's where we live. That's where our mindset is to be. And here we serve him until he's done with us. See, if we get it reversed, you're going to find yourself questioning the love of God a lot. Because a lot of things happen in this world we don't have an answer for that don't look loving, like waiting two extra days. That does not look loving to me. But God loves. It says here, he loved them. And so we've got to have that interpretation by faith. So Jesus delays, not because he doesn't love them enough, but because he loves them. And he has foresight in his direction. So verse 8. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Come on, guys. Knock, knock, knock. Come on. He's dead. All right? And I am glad, verse 15, for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let us go that we may die with him. That's Thomas. You know, he's a half-empty kind of guy. Like, you know, always, I'm not going to believe it. He's alive. No, nah, I'm not going to believe it. No, I don't believe it until I see him. That was kind of Thomas. We'll talk about Thomas here in the end. But Thomas was his. And Thomas would grow in his faith also. Remember, this is an intense discipleship class for these guys. And they are learning. So let's talk about that. Jesus' followers are discipled. They're being discipled here. They're being taught. They're going to see some things that they need to see. Remember, we said that Jesus is moving away from the public ministry where he just teaches whoever, and he's focusing intently on building up his disciples with this intense discipleship program. He's going to be sending them out. That's why. Without him. And they're going to need to be reassured of a few things. They're going to need to know a few things before they go out. And that's why these things are so important because these guys are going to go out and preach the gospel, this message, to the world. So they need to be ready and they need to see what they're about to see. They need to experience this. So 
Jesus now says, all right, it's time to go. A couple days later, but it's time to go. The disciples respond, well, they want to kill you down there. I don't think we should go. And Jesus, he goes off and he says this, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Like, uh, oh, okay. I just thought, you know, if we went down there, they'd kill you. And you're talking about 12 hours. Besides that, there's 24 hours in a day. Well, nah. See, they understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. It was a Jewish expression. The Jews understood their calendar to be divided into two equal parts, 12 hours of evening, night, darkness, and 12 hours of daytime, time to work. So what he's saying is this, when it's daytime, it's time to work. Guys, it's daytime. Daytime was determined by the time that he was here. I'm here. It's daytime. I got a job to do. And so you work. When the light's out, you work. It's time to go. And what Jesus is telling them is this death threat, the concern of death doesn't matter. It's time to work. I've got a mission. I'm doing something. Another thing that they should take from this is that I've got a job to do which is going to get done and I am invincible until my work is done. You only got so much time. We could say it this way. You only got so much life to live and I want my life to matter. Jesus had so much time here. He said, now it's daylight. I can't be waiting 5, 10, 15, 20 extra minutes or a few extra days except on my terms just because someone threats or we're worried about death because I'm invincible until my work here is done. Did you know that you have a certain number of days and that you're invincible until the work God has for you is done? Now, I know I've heard some say, I know, that's why I don't serve the Lord. I don't want to get done with my work. (laughs) I just want to keep living, you know. (laughs) What if I get done too early and then he takes me home? But let me just light a fire under you, oh lazy one. If you're not busy about the Father's business, I don't think there is a guarantee. I don't think you're invincible. If you go out there and say, I'm going to jump in front of a bus because, hey, I still got work to do for the Lord. Watch this. You might end up, if, if you're in heaven, You'll end up there going, hey, I, I thought, was my work done? Yeah, with that attitude, your work was done. Because we see in the Old Testament, there were times when the Lord would say, when God says something, it is. So when God tells a king, you're going to die in several days, you're going to die in a few days, which he said to a few kings. But then you'd see, oh, Lord, oh my God, help me, I, I repent. And then they do repent and they start to shape up rather than be shipped out. And God says, I'm going to extend your life. I'm going to extend your days. It's not they negotiated the Lord out of something, but they became useful now. Now I can use you. Now you're on the program. You're useful. I think that if you decide, I don't want to serve the Lord, and you're not useful to the Lord at all, well, you're on your own. Maybe you will die younger than you should have. Who knows? God's got a certain number of days. He knows them. But you can go out there and do what you want to do to yourself. And though some do survive and God's got a purpose in that, you're on your own. But if you put your life in God's hands, the scripture, I've read stories of individuals who do things they shouldn't have lived through because they were serving the Lord. 
Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than the other Gospel books, John introduced his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the messages to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the Gospel of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come